Pastor Chris's podcast. Today, we have a guest speaker, former pastor of Pleasant Grove United Methodist Church, Renfro Watson, is sharing about love. I hope you enjoy. I had a homecoming once upon a time when I went back to a church of mine, and we got to remember the congregation, I got to remember in advance, and I started preaching, and I preached about three or four minutes, and it struck me I'd been up there a while. So I, I said to the preacher who was there, how long have I been standing here? And he said, 45 minutes. I said, well, we're done. We had <laughs> so uh, I don't want to get too long-winded, but uh, so I, I think they used to have a calendar on the wall back here to tell me when to quit. <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I don't see now. I do remember a lot of things here, and I won't go into a lot of details, but uh, these were some very special times for me. It's hard to, to realize just how long ago that's been. But, uh, and I stayed here forever, Chris, except for the fact my parents got old for some reason. At least at that time I thought they were old. They were not as old as I am now. But uh, they don't seem old in my mind now, but then they seemed old. And uh, they were getting in bad health, so we, and they were on the Southern Tip Conference. And so I needed, really needed to be close to them. Moved here in July. Both of them died in October. So uh, it was kind of good timing down there to be close enough to, in less than an hour, be able to run down and see how they were doing and take care of them. The next year, uh, our son died in Atlanta, so uh, that was also a good place to be at that special time. It was a good move. At the annual conference, I told people I wasn't real sure that I was in any assignment that was good for the church. But I knew without a doubt every assignment had been good for me. I'd been at the right time, at the right, uh, right place, at the right time. For instance, here, I came at a time when family was important to me, and I noticed here this church at that time, I don't know, I haven't been in contact with, so I don't know, but at that time, this was the most family-oriented church I knew in the conference. We had some four-generation families in this church at that time. And uh, they had family cookouts and family gatherings, and uh, I learned to eat everything from uh, shrimp to oysters, and uh, never had eaten them before. But I learned to eat things I'd never heard of, and I've learned to like it as time has gone by. I heard the best uh, lay speech I've ever heard right here in this congregation with Sarah Brooker speaking. A lot of good times. And I saw a little old boy that had grown into a man since I first met him at Camp Blessing Bobby. Um, so there were so many times that were good here. Spent so many hours with him. It's good to come back. I'm going to try not to spend four or five minutes on that part, however. Uh, I want to read to you, try to read to you a portion of Scripture. And uh, it's the 13th chapter of. First Corinthians. It says, Though I, if I could speak in any language in heaven or on earth and didn't have others, 
I would only be making uh, meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything, didn't love others, what good would I be? If I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move without love, I would be no good to anybody. If I give everything I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't have love for others, I would be of no value whatsoever. Love is patient and kind. Love is, is not jealous or boastful, proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of when it has been wrong. It is never glad about um, injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. For prophecy and, and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will all disappear. Now we're no longer living. And then the gift of and even the gift of the prophecy reveals little. But when the end comes, these special gifts will all disappear. It's like this. When I was a child, I spoke, thought, and, and reasoned as a child does. When I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, as in a poor mirror. But then we will see everything in perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, even as God knows me now. There are these three things that will endure, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That's my favorite chapter. However, if I had quoted the chapter I know, it would not have been that chapter. Uh, different translation, same meaning, of course, but a different translation to some of us. There's been another change in that in nearly every translation that's used today. When I came along originally and learned to memorize it early in my life, it was the word charity. Uh, there's faith, hope, and charity. Abide these three, the greatest of these is charity. I still prefer charity myself. And I guess that's the way a lot of us are when they get my age. We prefer what we learn as children. But charity to me meant love without expectation of repayment. It meant a love so great that it couldn't be repaid. It meant a free love given through love to others. So I use that. But in today's Bibles and in our understanding, we use the word love. And that's an important word to me. I, I, I hesitate to say preach, but I spoke my first sermon in 1954. That's been a long time ago, before most of you were born. Uh, 1954. Uh, I, I was 17. I just turned 17. And I had gotten a local preacher's license and was invited out to Ebenezer Church in the old location, they relocated, 
But I went out there and uh, in that little wooden church by a cemetery, I preached my first sermon. Trying to. Preaching, that's a stretch. Hey. Uh, it was entitled, What is Love? Now I'm 17 years old. And I got up in front of a congregation to tell them what was all about. As if any 17-year-old knows. Um, and I pretended to know until a couple of good kind of girlfriends, not sweethearts, but kind of girlfriends walked in and sat on the back pew. And all of a sudden, I got tongue-tied. Because I knew, they knew, I did not know one thing about love was all about. Well, through the years, I've been preaching on that a good bit. It was my first sermon, and I hope it's going to be the last sermon that I preach. That was the subject that Jesus talked about more than anything else. And it's the thing we learn about through the years. Who here knew as much even 10 years ago about love as you know now? Very few of us. We learn more and more about the meaning of that word as we go by. So I'm deciding, what am I going to say about a universal word that everybody has experienced both receiving and giving. And I'm watching television one night and I see a commercial. This cute little chunky cheeked girl stands in front of the camera and she says, my mother washes dishes before she puts them in a dishwasher. What is a dishwasher for? And I said, that's it. It's not what is love, because love we know when we feel it. And we know when we express it. It's not what is love it, that we question. It is what difference does it make? What in the world does love do? Now I know there are a lot of different kinds of love. But I want to talk with you something about what love does. It's a dynamic force that begins to change the one who receives it and the one who gives it. It's caught up with the receiver as much as the uh, giver of what is love. Now to start with, let me say, the most important verse of this chapter is the last verse. There abided faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, when, when in the Bible three things are listed, the last one is always the greatest. The greatest means the most powerful, but it also means the most complete. It's the final, highest stage. There's some people believe that Christianity is all over when you believe. So the biggest part is believing. That's the first thing. And once you are believed, believe. Once you believe, you have reached the pinnacle and entrance and result of Christianity. That's not true. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. The first is faith. Belief. Faith is belief that you're willing to act upon. Someone said that 
Belief is believing your child can drive. Faith is being in it while he drives. <laughs> and that's what faith is. But that's the start. It's not the finish. It's the start. So Paul says, faith is the beginning. Then he says the next thing is hope. Once we believe in God and put our faith in Him and depend upon it, then um, we begin to have hope. Our faith grows into hope. That's higher than faith because that means we ex have an expectation of the future. It's going to be part of us from now on. We believe it. Now we hope for it. We expect it. But he said the greatest of these is love. You see, love is that final stage that waits for us, and that's the fulfillment of our connection with God. That's what our connection's all aimed for. That's what it's for. If you haven't gotten to love, you haven't gotten to the highest, fullest, most important stage. And there are a lot of us who pretend to do it. I was watching TV the other day, and a preacher was on there and said, he said, if you do good things to other people, God will do things for you. Because we receive as we give. So if you do good things, and God will do good things for you. I said, no, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. That indicates that we're going to be paid if we're good. We're not going to be good unless we're sure that God's going to be good to us. That being good and loving others is not for any result. It is the result. That's the response that we give to God. That's the highest devotion we give to Him. We would love others if we were filled with the Spirit. We would love others even if nothing would go right for us. And we would never receive love. We would love our husbands and wives even if we knew we were going to die tomorrow. We would love them because love is the fulfillment of the law, not the reason for reward. So I said, what does love do? Well, the first thing that love does, in my opinion, is it changes the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see others. Before love, it's them and us. We're always different. We're smarter. We're better looking. By the way, I looked at that terrible picture about me. I had told them when they put that in the bulletin, Chris, to please get up picture of Robert Redford and put it on top to put my name under. But anyway, uh, the way we see ourselves and the way we see others, others are different than us, we see. We see they, they don't have something that we have or we don't have something that they have. But there is a difference in us. Loving others makes them not our agenda but in here. In other words, they become part of us. While I was here, I loved being here at Pleasant Grove. Um, and you became part of me. And I have carried that part for the rest of my life. You are never separated from me. Because knowing you and being loved by you and loving you became you, became part of me. That's what love does. It makes us part of each 
Freud had us divided into id and ego. Ego was us and it as we as we want to be. It is us as we ought to be. And so we began to see that kind of trouble. I began to understand that just calling ourselves Christian doesn't make us Christian. Just saying we love other people doesn't make we love, mean we love each other. I saw it, uh, an example of that went to Six Flags one day, and I'm in a long line, backed up the highway, waiting to get into Six Flags. And I looked up in front of me, six, eight vehicles in front of me, was a bus. It had on the side Methodist Church and a certain name of the Methodist Church. I knew who was there. I knew who must be driving that bus. And it, we sat there. Then after a while, I saw that bus, heard that bus blow its horn, and I saw that bus drive around everybody, right down the side, right up in front, and butt its way in front of everybody. And I thought, oh my goodness. Now everybody knows that not every Methodist church loves people because they put themselves in front of everybody else who had also been waiting all that time to get in. Saying we love is different from loving. Loving changes us. The first power of it is it makes part, others part of us, others part of our family, so that we live together. I served for a while in, in uh, Marietta, and I learned some things in Marietta. Uh, I had some family members that explained to me one time the history of the clan, and they talked about how the clan, Ku Klux Klan, had been developed to, to uh, make sure law and order rule. Well, the federal government decided that was not true and outlawed it in, in 1885, and it went out. In 1912, a young man uh, and a young girl uh, got in trouble in Society County, and she got pregnant. So the young black man was taken and uh, hanged and cut into pieces and burned, and all black people were ordered out of uh, Society County. And uh, three years later, Leo Prime down in Marietta was accused of killing the young girl that worked for him. He was Jewish. And they took him out and hanged him on a tree by the big chicken if you've ever been to Marietta. And the next year, uh, a group from Marietta and thereabouts gathered up north of, the, uh, north of Marietta, around uh, Kennesaw somewhere, and started Ku Klux Klan. Had nothing to do with the first one. It was all just the same name. And there was an organization of of uh, uh, intimidation. And uh, I, I saw it. And I, I knew a man when I served in Marietta that told me all about that sort of thing. Then I read a book on history of it. And he said he was the most loving man I've ever seen. Most loving man, respectful of everybody he saw, did more good than anybody I ever knew. And I talked to him one time, and he said, talked to him about how good he was to everybody. And he said, well, it didn't come easy for me. He said, because my dad was one of the people. He's older than I, this guy's older than I am. But he said, my dad in 1915 was one of the guys 
that hanged Leo Fine. He hated everybody that was different from him, particularly if they were of a darker color, or if they were Jewish, or if they were Roman Catholic. And yet he said, what needs it for me? But life taught me that life is about love. It's not about being better than other people and different from other people. It's about loving people. Everybody you meet, you learn to love them. And I thought, what a hero this man is to overcome the blessings of childhood and understand his faith. Is that 12 o'clock? <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I thought I was going to say, I'm not through. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I understand that man, and I deeply respect him as much as any man I've ever known who overcame division within his own childhood and understood the highest call of change is love. Next thing that I wanted to say is that sometimes it raises a man that's sinking. There's a hymn that says, Sinking in Sin. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. It does that. In the very times of life when we see are down and hurt. In the Bible, there's a story about Philemon, whose name originally meant useless. So it's changed to Philemon, which means useful. The love of Christ made out of him an entirely different person. When I was in Atlanta, I had a homeless man named James Long. And Jim, uh, as we called him, decided that he was going to do something to help the homeless. More than a thousand people were living near the Carter Center now. It was in Kutsu Village. And I used to go down there occasionally. And we would visit people who were living in cardboard boxes, under cardboard boxes, and sleeping out there night after night after night. Some of them didn't have the mental capacity to work. Others just couldn't find a job that would pay enough to find a room to rent in Atlanta. It just, it couldn't be done. So, uh, they were out there, and I would talk with them. Well, James decided that if our church would get it started and advertise and help them, he was going to, to get a house on Moreland Avenue for homeless people. And before it was over, this guy had a house. You had to pass a, uh, a drug test and tobacco test to, to get in, but you could live there for, I think it was two or three weeks uh, until you got back on your feet and got started again. And I thought about this man. It took a man who was sinking in the depths of life, destroyed spiritually and physically, living under kudzu, it lifted him, that love for others. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. Then love lifted me. Uh, that's what love does. Sometimes when we think we can go no longer and we can put up with, with our children or our spouse or our jobs no longer, love lifts us and makes of us a different person. And the final thing I wanted to say to you came from a man in uh, in. in Griffin, when I went up to fill in a year after retirement, I fill in. And this guy 
would come to church every Sunday, sit way in the back, and bring his wife with him. His wife was in the highest stages, uh, next to the highest stages, I guess, because she could still walk around, of Alzheimer's. She couldn't talk. She couldn't do anything. She sat in the back and held a little teddy bear all the time, Mr. Pinky. And after church one day, somebody came up to him and they said, Billy, you have to do everything, don't you? He said, no, sir. He said, well, who does it for you? You have to do everything. He said, well, it's true. I cook, I clean, I wash, I do all these things, but I don't have to. He said, I get to. And I thought about old Billy. You know what made the difference in him? He loved his wife. For him, he got to take care of. I get to take care of. I don't have to. I don't do things because I have to. I do things because I get to. And I thought, the only thing that can change that in life, the only thing is love. Love is so high and so wonderful, it changes the have-tos to the get-to. And I have tried like ever. When I have to raise the yard, I have to say, I get to cut the grass. I get to rake the leaves. I am trying my best. I have not succeeded as well as he. But I am trying my best to say, thank you, Lord, that I'm in good health, that I can I can work all day out in the sun. I can, I can pay my bills. I can do so and so. I get to do all of this. I don't have to. I get to. And I found out that that's what love does. If you love your family, and you love your job, and you love your home, and you love what God, your help that God has given you, you change have to to get to. I would challenge everybody just to try. It's not hard, and I still find myself saying, well, I have to cut the grass today. Or I have to wash the car before I do so and so. But we change love, changing from have to to get to. Well, if you remember anything, remember this. Love is a gift. Love is a gift. That means it's not something you conjure up and pretend to do. It's given. All of a sudden, you wake up and you fall in love. Back in 1959, I'm riding down the street. Why might I tell you this? But I'm riding down the street and I see a little girl walking down the street and she's pretty. <laughs> and she's wearing shorts. And I say, I'm going to marry that girl. And I went back and introduced myself. And she's sitting with me 60 years later. 60 years later. Somebody says, how did you know? I said, I didn't know. All I know is that something happened. It was given to me. If anything's ever been given, it was given. And I fell in love. We don't climb into love, we fall into love. And that becomes part of our life. There is faith, that's the beginning. That's the day I say, 
I believe in God enough that I'm going to walk down and join the church and give my life to Christ and be part of it. That's faith. But that's just a start. Then I began to hope. I anticipate that on this earth or after this earth, somewhere along the way, I'm going to see the wonders of glory. That's hope. But then something great. The Bible says it's the greatest thing there is. The highest and the most wonderful. Something happens inside. And somebody builds a little fire and you fall in love. And ultimately, that love grows and grows until one day you look out across a group of people and you love them all. It's part of love. It's taking possession of life. Well, I have a little story I used. I'm short, but I want to share it with you. I use it at a lot of people. There was a time when a person loved God so much that he helped other people. And Jesus is talking to him. He doesn't even know it. He just knows he loves people. So Jesus says to him one day, he said, there was a time when, when you saw me hungry and you fed me and you saw me naked and you clothed me and you saw me sick and you made me well and so forth. You know? And the man said, when I see you, I don't remember seeing you. And he said, when you did it to others, you did it to me. What had happened, that man had fallen in love with other people. He didn't even know he was doing good for God. He was just loving other people. He had received the highest gift God can offer. Higher than faith, higher than hope, it was love for God's creation and God's people. That becomes the apex to which we are trying. Enter into my heart. He says, enter into unto me into this blessed life. That's the fulfillment of Christianity. I thank you for being here. I hope it's not two o'clock yet. Close. Okay. Let's let's bow and pray. Our heavenly Father, we pray that you'll stir our hearts day by day in the power and the loving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.